The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is the newscast for episode 49, the week of January 8th. Alex, the year has not started quietly, has it? It has not started quietly, Rob. Um, at least not from a, a security perspective. Um, this week, we obviously had a, a number of uh, big issues with the, the Spectre and Meltdown bugs that are affecting most processors, at least some yeah. of them affecting most processors. Yeah, before we dive into the to all the details, we'll talk a little bit about Spectre and Melt, Meltdown. Uh, let's do a couple of reminders. Number one, we have a mailing list for the show. If you're not signed up, go out to colorado-security.com, enter your email address at the bottom, and we'll give you uh, the show notes each week in your mailbox. That's all we use it for. Um, so don't don't look for any sales pitches or anything good like that. Um, also, Slack channel. Yes, come join the Slack channel. Growing every day. A lot of great discussion going on in there. Yeah, especially uh, this last week as we've been talking about the happenings over the, the first week of the year. You know, we started off with uh, an O-Day dropped on New Year's Day about um, Mac, uh, a privilege escalation mm. on Mac, right? And yep. I thought that was kind of cute and, you know, not a, mm. not a huge deal. And then a day or so later, we got a, a bigger O-Day that came out, right? Yeah, so uh, a couple vulnerabilities, or I guess there's more than a couple vulnerabilities, but two names um and and they're cute icons i like yeah. the the specter one that looks sort of like a, a pac-man ghost with yeah. little little hands there um but meltdown inspector um these are essentially design flaws in uh the way that the chips have been built yeah i so i i appreciate uh there's a lot a link in our show notes to daniel meisler's kind of breakdown about these two vulnerabilities or uh, at least these two attack types um and it shows the difference between them and what the different impacts are. If you're not real familiar yet with this, I think that that's a great place to start. Um, we also have a, a link to a, a blog post from Direct Defense, a local Colorado company that, that did a nice uh, a nice post about this right away. And, and I appreciated the, the speed with which they came out with the post. Uh, it is easy to hold off and wait as you try to get more information, but they at least gave, you know, here's what we know right now, uh, really early uh, after the, the post came out. I'll just say, you know, this is not the kind of fix that we're able, we're going to be able to go do some patches and everything's all better, right? This is a fundamental hardware issue on the processors in the vast majority of computing systems in the world, from the servers you have in your cloud provider to your data center to your laptops to your phone in your pocket, or they're all basically impacted by this vulnerability. Yeah, uh, some of them more than others, I think. Um there are a couple of them that do affect basically every processor that has ever been made. Yeah. Um, which, you know, some of that is interesting if you think about, you know, IOT devices and, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that have been out there for a long time that probably are never going to get fixed. Right. Yeah. Over the, over the next month or so, I expect most enterprises that have a security team are going to mitigate the impact within their data center and probably within their, their laptop force. But that leaves all of the rest of the world, right, that, that is not going to be mitigated quickly. Uh, and when I say mitigated, it doesn't mean we reduced, we eliminated the risk, right? We just reduced it because, um, number one, there are probably ways to get around it outside of the OS patches, ways to impact this vulnerability that we're not aware of yet. Um, and number two, there is a there's a impact from this, right? The, the ability to share memory in the processor, which... Uh, is what's led to this vulnerability allowed for a lot of imp improvements for speed, exactly. a, lot, a lot of in, you know yep. performance increases that we're not going to see. Where they say there's somewhere between a like 15 and 50 percent impact to performance based on these mitigations. Yeah, and I've seen various reports on that where you know sort of those higher numbers are are probably you know edge cases where under certain workloads you, you might have some issues yeah. like that. Well, so we we don't know yet what the impact's going to be. I think it's safe to say that this is the biggest impact we've had in, in years. You know, Heartbleed kind of seems maybe roughly similar to this. Um, and certainly the amount of work that it's putting the security teams under is, is quite high. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously there are already some patches that have come out. Um, I expect after the, the OS patches, we'll probably see some, you know, firmware updates and other things like that uh, to fix some of the lower level systems. Uh, but lots of work for everybody. In case yeah. you didn't have enough work to do, yeah, now you got to do this. So yeah, moving on to the next story, Alex, what is the most you've ever spent on a burrito at Qdoba? Oh, at, at Qdoba, I don't know. Um, I'll say $10. I don't so know, Apollo it. Group recently spent $305 million on a Qdoba Holy purchase. cow, that's yeah. a big burrito. That's a big burrito. Uh, so, of, of course, Apollo Group is not the people who own um, 
University of Phoenix. This is a different Apollo group that owns Chuck E. Cheese. And they've recently purchased Denver-based Qdoba from Jack in the Box, who owned them previously. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, burritos are big business. Congratulations. Now, obviously, Qdoba's queso has been pretty you know, one of their hallmarks of success. And Chipotle yeah. is trying to, to steal that, I believe. Yes, I, I'm... Uh, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm a diehard Chipotle guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I have to say that I do like Qdoba's queso better. I don't like either of their quesos, honestly. I, and I, I'm, I prefer Chipotle as well. But uh, I think neither queso is is all that good a queso. Uh, Hacienda, I, Colorado, they, they do a good <laughs> queso. Yeah, give me a real queso fundido any day. I'll take that. Um, next on the list, uh, Marketo, uh, which is a, strangely enough, a marketing company. Yeah. Um, they moved an office here to Denver. So they are a California-based company, um, Bay Area, and they are moving the, the bulk of their workforce, including their CEO here to Denver. And they're calling it an HQ2. Kind of that. Right. I have Amazon coined the term, but these guys right. like it too. Yeah, I mean, I think it just, again, goes to show uh, we do have great talent here. We are not as expensive as the Bay Area. We have space where people can get uh, offices and there's great uh, quality of living. So you, you start to see more and more companies like this moving here. So for those who don't know Marketo, it, it's kind of the biggest player in the marketing operations world, you know, similar to how Salesforce kind of runs the CRM world. Marketo is the biggest one in marketing operations. Um, and they're also owned by Vista Equity Partners, which is the private equity firm that owns Ping Identity and G- Granicus and Vertifor and a few other uh, Denver-based uh, enterprise software companies. Cool. So obviously, Vista's taking people to Denver. Uh, so next, uh, Optiv pulled their IPO paperwork. So I think it was 2016, um, Optiv was deciding whether or not they were going to be uh, sold, bought by yeah. private equity, or they were going to go for IPO. They were kind of going down a dual track. Yep. And then, of course, they were purchased by private equity. Uh, but they still had that IPO paperwork out there. So it's, it's being reported that they finally pulled that back. Yeah, so I, I remember one of our first shows, we talked about Optiv doing the IPO and then getting acquired by KKR, excuse me, doing the IPO paperwork and then um, being acquired by KKR. They have now officially said they're not going IPO anytime soon. That doesn't mean they can't change their mind and go do it, but they'll have to file new paperwork when the time comes. Uh, we have a few different companies who've actually taken funding in the last month or so. So biggest uh, on the list here is Conversant. They they raised $25 million. Now, as a reminder, Conversant's the company that does ethical and compliance training. Obviously, been big business for them lately with Me Too and and the way Uber breach went and all these other things that have been happening. Uh, they seem like they're growing very quickly. Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's probably mandatory now for all Hollywood type companies to have the conversion training. Yeah, probably so. It should be. You, you hear, I, I listen to Colorado Public Radio podcast every day and they they had an interview with some lawmakers from Denver talking about how now the the legislature in Colorado is going to require, number one, they're hiring an HR person and they're oh, going yeah. to have a bunch of sexual harassment training for those Yeah, there, folks. there had been some issues in the, the legislature yeah, as well. Either three, I can't remember, three or four lawmakers who have been accused of sexual harassment. Yep. Uh, also, Overwatch ID uh, took in $2 million in funding Good for in those guys. Identity Access Management Company. I think you're, you've are you talked to one of the guys there, right? Yep. So we'll uh, Cam a... Williams, uh, we have a, an interview pending with him. So that should be up here pretty soon. Yeah, I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll hear about what they do in a little more detail. And then finally, Swimlane, who we've talked about a lot over the last year, they took they have another round of funding, uh, a smaller one at $1.35 million. A little bit smaller than the last fund they took, which was which was uh, three million about a year, a little bit over a year ago. Cool. Uh, so there was an article in the uh, Colorado Springs Business Journal about the National Cybersecurity Center um, and the the new faces that they have and, and their new plans for for this year. So if you remember, I interviewed their CEO and COO uh, for the show. Maybe, maybe it was like last April or May. I can't remember exactly when. Um, they've turned over both of those positions. They have a new CEO, and I don't think they have a COO, but the COO has left that was there previously. I think it's it's kind of a, a well, it's not a very well-kept secret that NCC has not really achieved the goals that they've been going for, right? They had some missions that they were trying to accomplish. Clearly, they haven't accomplished those. Um, so, you know, they were going to try and be an incident response center. I think that that, that as a as a initiative is, is gone to the wayside. They're not going to go after that right now. They're really trying to define exactly what they are going to be as an right. organization. Yeah. And um, Vance Brown, who is the, the former CEO of Sharewell, 
which they do uh, ITSM software uh, service now competitor. Yeah. He's the, the interim CEO down there. I think he's going to do that for a little bit, and then they're going to try and find a, a permanent CEO. I will say that, yeah, you know, the the description of what he envisions them being was a worldwide leader in security and blockchain, right? Kind of right. an interesting add-on uh, rather than just security. They're, you're talking about being a blockchain leader. I, I don't know what that means exactly. Yeah, I don't know exactly either, and those things do not exactly seem to go yeah. together. Yeah, it, it, it could be a marketing a buzzword, or maybe there's something going on there we don't know about. Uh, and then finally, I want to say congratulations to Steve Winterfeld. Steve uh, was the information security officer for Nordstrom Bank, and he was traveling to Seattle half the time to do that job. And he recently just started at Charles Schwab down in Lone Tree as a managing director running their Threat Intel group. So congratulations to Steve. Yeah, good job, Steve. Welcome back to Colorado. Welcome back. Welcome <laughs> back. And I'm sure your wife is very glad to have you home. Yep. Uh, and then finally in the news, um, our feature interview today is with Sue LaPierre. And conveniently, today is Sue's birthday. This is your <laughs> birthday song. It isn't very long. You know what? I, I think that the patent, or not the patent, the uh, copyright finally ran out on uh, the birthday, you know, happy birthday song. Yeah. So I think we could actually sing it if we I want to. I love it. I love and, it. And not have to pay royalties. Let, let's not do that. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, happy birthday to Sue. Happy birthday, Sue. Good, um, good timing. Glad that you're, uh, you're finally 21. Yeah. Go out and have a drink. Good stuff. All right, let's jump over to trivia. Alex, uh, the question that we have, so we have two questions we need to give answers for this week, Exactly. Right? So two weeks ago, we asked the question, which reindeer has the strongest Colorado connection and why? And I'm going to look at you and say, what were the best answers we got for this? Yeah, so I've got a few here that we got that we wanted to note. Uh, so first, um, Andre Gata, who actually you know is the sponsor of the trivia contest, so he obviously can't win. Um, but he said Donner. He had to change his name from the original Dunder because Harwigs and Steamboat Springs serves a Dunder Burger. Reindeer Relocation Protection Program. I like it. That's creative. So that's a good one. Um, and then Rob Winter, he replied, uh, while Cupid's name would be best tied to Loveland, Rudolph is the correct answer uh, as his shiny red nose is the only thing that can compete with Blucifer's <laughs> glowing red eyes. I like so, I like the Cupid Loveland right. combination. Yeah, and so that's that's of course the uh, the big blue horse at the airport with right. the, the devil eyes. So those are our runner ups, right? Yep. Who, who's our actual winner? Yeah. So um, Tom Hagel uh, with ProtectWise, uh, he said Cupid. I picked Cupid because of Cupid Mountain, the 555th highest mountain in Colorado, uh, the 13er east of Loveland Pass. Um, also, it's going to. Also, I'm going to hat tip Dunder, the original name for Donner Reindeer. Obviously, second call out of that. Uh, because Michael Scott from The Office, who worked at Dunder Mifflin, moved to Boulder in the show. <laughs> it's a little bit of, bit of a grasp. bit yeah. of a grasp. <laughs> but, um, but the Cupid one was good. Congratulations so, to Tom. Congratulations, Tom. We'll get you in contact with Andre and you can get your, your swag. Yep. All right. Uh, so then we have uh, last week's as well, which was what was your best Christmas gift? Uh, and the winner for this one is Rob Winter, who was one of our finalists for the last one. Rob's best Christmas gift was, for the holidays was he was told by his general counsel that they do not, they're not impacted by GDPR and don't have to go through the, the compliance fund that the rest of us do. I have to say that is probably a better gift than anyone else got for Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Great gift. Uh, all right. So I will go ahead and uh, ask a question for this week. I want you guys to name six security startups that have formed in Colorado since 2013. So six, there's more than six of them we're aware of. I've got more than six on a list in front of me. If you come up with one that's not on my list, that still counts. So give us six security startups that have started since 2013 here in Colorado. Ready to go. All right. All right. So let's move on to events. Obviously, we have our event calendar on the website. You should go out and check that. Um, Rob's been busily updating that for 2018, getting all the new events up there. So if you want to know what's going on in Denver, check that out. Uh, first on the list, ISSA Denver is having their January chapter meetings on the 9th and 10th. Congratulations to ISSA who recently passed 700 members here in Denver. That's, it's huge. It's been the largest chapter for quite a while, but, um, continued growth. Uh, I think just, just obviously the chapter's providing a lot of value out to members. Yeah, congratulations. On the 10th, G Cyber GRX has an open house for their new office. They moved into a new headquarters and, and they'll let you come take a look at it. Um, and I think that's really about the, all of it from the next couple of weeks, but we're, we got a couple on here that are, that are still CS close. CSA is so, two weeks out. So CSA is having their January meeting on the 16th. 
Yeah, ISSA Colorado Springs has their January meetings, their dinner on the 16th and their lunch on the 17th. Uh, DENSEC is doing their North meeting on the 18th. And then Optive, we've talked about this for the last couple of months. They have their solution and program focus group really talking about AppSec. This is a chance for you to share your insights on how do you do an AppSec program and learn from others who are struggling with the same thing. Uh, and this is happening on the 18th. Uh, apparently, the 18th is a popular day because ISACA is also doing an event that day on GDPR. So if you want to know about GDPR, you can go to that. And not to be left out, SecureSet has an event on the 18th as well, which is their cybersecurity expert series. I think they had a speaker identified who ended up sliding, so I, I don't know who it's going to be for that week. But I'm sure it'll be someone good. They're usually pretty good meetings. Definitely. So that really is all the events. Uh, let's move on to jobs. Uh, Opus Bank is hiring a senior information security program manager. Uh, Schwab is looking for a director of risk analytics. That sounded interesting. Uh, Wells Fargo is hiring an IT senior lead auditor in their infrastructure audit team. Uh, Payments Processing Corporation, which is, I think, part of First Data, is looking for a senior systems, excuse me, senior security engineer. SecureSet is hiring a cyber threat intelligence instructor. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, IQ Navigator is looking for an uh, information security analyst. And that's actually um, Julie Chiquillo. Um, they're going to be reporting to her. And oh, I nice. actually reached out and asked. Um, she actually has two jobs. That one, uh, someone who knows compliance and looking to maybe move, make a move into security. And then they also have someone that's going to be their client front end hmm. um, for all of their audits and requests from customers. Yeah. So, if, so if you want to deal with customers on uh, sec their security program, there's a job for that as well. Uh, Pearson is hiring an information security risk manager. Excel Energy is looking for a senior security governance and controls analyst. Uh, Ping Identity has a security intern position available. That's Ooh. going to be on my team, and it's it's actually not open until the summer. So if you know someone who's in school right now and when when they're you know looking for a summer break, something to do, it's a paid internship. You get visibility across all of our security teams and hopefully provide some value on both sides. Uh, Hane Celestial is looking for security and compliance director. Nice. Do you know Hane Celestial? Um, I think that that might actually be Celestial Seasonings, like the tea people. Oh, really? It, See, so my, my wife would love it if I would go work there, come home with tea. Yes, um, I believe that that is the tea folks. Nice. Uh, BP uh, is is hiring a security architect. Remember, if we, we were talking about how they moved their, British Petroleum moved their North American headquarters from Houston to Denver last year, and it looks like we're starting to get some jobs as a result of that. And uh, Logarithm is looking for a director of product marketing. All right, good stuff. Uh, well, that's it for jobs. Uh, we do have our feature interview, as you mentioned, with Sue LaPierre. Sue and I sat down a few weeks ago and talked about how she got to be the CISO for one of the largest companies in Denver and, and really what she's planning to do here in 2018. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Alex. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Hi, this is Mike Kalax, CISO at Western Union. This is Colorado Equal Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. This is take three. I am Rob. I am sitting in my office at the Ping headquarters in Denver, and I have a special guest today who's going to introduce herself <laughs> so I don't mess it up a third time. <laughs> so hi, I'm Sue LaPierre, and I am uh, the Vice President and Information Security Officer at Prologis. Sue, what has been the most impactful thing that's happened to you at work this year? If you want to go back beyond this year, that's fine too. Something that's impacted you, hopefully for the better. But if you have, if you want to go another way, that's fine wow, too. Wow, that's impacted me. Yeah, most um, impactful. You know, it's hard to say what one thing has impacted me. So I'm going to kind of lump it all together. Okay. Um, I started with the company a little over three years ago. Yeah. And they did not have a security program mm -hmm. at all. They, you know. Maybe had a couple of you know, people doing some firewall stuff or something like that. But I was hired to do two things. First one was to uh, build a security program. And second one was to create a secure aware culture. Mm. And I think it was actually this summer that we actually, you know, my, my team sat down and, and actually at the beginning of the year when we were doing our goal planning and everything and looking at all the things that we've accomplished and uh, we just like we've rocked it you know yeah. three years we've built this 
powerful security program, and we've actually made a huge dent in um, the security aware culture. Yeah. And we have you know executives that are actually coming to us and saying, "Oh my gosh, I you know did X, Y, and Z. Help me!" And you yeah. know, you always want to when I build a security program, I always want to make sure that um, that we're memorable mm-hmm. and that. People come to us rather than us going to them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we hit that this year is that people are starting to, to come to us. <clears throat> now, now, Prologis is not a tiny little company. Uh, probably some people here listening, all they know about you is that you have a, a building near DIA, right? Yeah, could you a bunch give, of buildings, yeah. <laughs> could, you, could you give a high-level summary? What does Prologis do? Um, yes. We're one of the world's largest... Well, we are the world's largest owner, operator, and developer of industrial real estate. So, um, logistics and uh, big warehouses. But we're also kind of a financial services company because we have real estate investment trusts as well. So we're in 19 countries. We are a 2.5 billion dollar company. We've got yeah. 77 billion dollars in assets under management, and uh, we have 1,500 employees. And your headquarters is here in Denver, right? Uh, no, it's actually not. Oh, no. Our headquarters are actually in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, pier 1, right next to the Ferry Building. Oh, really? And we're actually on the pier. We're actually hmm. at the end of the pier, so it's a very cool uh, location, and uh, yeah. So is is there a... I mean, I know you're here in Denver. Is What kind of departments or functions are here in Denver? Uh, we used to be considered kind of the operational headquarters. So IT is based here. Our accounting department um, is primarily here. Um, you know, primarily our legal, you know, back office, HR, that kind yeah. of thing. Okay. And then what's in San Francisco? Executives? Executives, yep. Okay. Yeah. Smaller office with, with the big wigs. Yeah. So okay. beautiful office, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It, that's a good place to have a beautiful office. Well, let's go ahead and start over way earlier, right? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I assume that before Prologis, you had some kind of educational background and maybe some experience in the in the working world as well. Could you kind of start me? How did you get here? Well, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I always say I didn't come up the way that normal CISOs grow up. Okay. Um, and I know that there's been um, kind of some scuttlebutt discussions, you know, in the security realm about, you know, people's backgrounds and when they, you know, when they graduate from college, you know, what they graduate in. Yeah. Well, and if you graduated in the 1990s and you didn't have a security degree, degree I'm really disappointed. Because, <laughs> because, you know, there were so many of those degrees I mean, available. I will right? actually go back <laughs> a little further, but, you know. Um, but the thing is, though... I, when I grew up, yeah. um, you know, I have to bring up, you know, I'm a female. And at that time, there were things that you did and you didn't do. And, you know, I was raised in, you know, good Midwest, you know, location. And um, I got a liberal arts degree. And mm-hmm. so... Um, what was your major? Education. Education, sure. Yeah, with a music minor. I yeah. mean, I first started going to school to actually have a music major and, you know... That didn't work out very well, and so switched it to education. Uh, if I, you know what, if I was to do do it all over again today, I probably would not even do that. I'd actually go into like meteorology or mm. engineering or something like that that I never even considered at that time. Yeah. But um, so, but I, you know, went into to education, and yeah. um, I did student teaching in Germany, and you know, it was a really cool experience and came back and you know nobody could they were like what do you mean you did some some work in Germany I don't know at that time you know I can't call Germany you know that kind of thing and so um I had to go into a a different route and went into financial services Mm -hmm. did a lot of different things um I've always had the opinion that you know I could do anything Mm -hmm. so I just tried lots of different things and um did back office, you know, um, supervising call centers and, you know, managing different departments within a financial services organization. And then finally, I um, was on the side, I was actually running ski trips with the, oh, wow. the ski club at the, um, the company I was at. Where, I, where were you living at the time? Minnesota, so okay. Minneapolis. Uh-huh. And so I took 100 people, you know, skiing. I, you know, coordinated everything and led them to Austria and Germany. Hmm. And, you know, took other people up to Banff and, you know, the south of France. And then I thought, 
well, heck, I could do this for a living, you know? So I up and quit my job. Wow. And I went to travel school. And I moved to Colorado and said, hey, I can do this. And then found out that you make nothing as a you know travel right. agent. But I was able to go to lots of different places. And then I was like, well, I could be a tour guide. And yeah. so I went to school and did that. And, yeah. you know, then didn't, decided, nah, I can't make any money. And then went back into financial services and got into, um, you know, stand-up training, things like that. Hmm. Delivering training. Delivering training, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I was getting burnt out, and I finally um, was looking at that time. It was an actual job board, you know, yeah. and looking at a, a job, and somebody came up and go and said, are you interested in that? And I said, I don't even know what it is. And it was BCDR coordinator, and, and she was like, you'd be perfect. You know how to talk to people. You yeah. can uh, write, you know, procedures. You're perfect. I'll hire you. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got into business. What company was that? Disaster recovery. Janus funds. Okay, sure. Yeah. I think I know you were at Janus. Yeah. I just so. talked with Joe CISO over there. Dr. Now. Joe. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Joe. That's right. Very cool. So when when did you, were you at Janus previous in doing the training there before you went to BCDR? No, I was, I was doing training and then I did BCDR. But at Janus yeah. for both? At Janus, yeah. Okay. Yep. And what, what years were you there? A long time ago. It was in the ni- 90s. Mid-90s? In mid-90s, okay. yeah. And then, I don't remember anymore. So BCPDR is a fantastic way to get into security. Yeah. And it's a, it's a kind of a, a, from a technology perspective, it's a lower bar of it, barrier to entry, right? Because you, what you have to know is process and communication and organization and, and not so much, you don't need how a firewall works. You don't know how to Well, know, that's the thing is, as I was doing that, and I moved on to like Invesco and, um, and still doing BCDR, um, you know, I... I knew because of the stuff that I had done with managing back office, I knew the business. So I knew back office quite well. And so it was very easy for me to figure out, you know, um, scenarios and test those and and then pull in the technical piece for the DR rather than just the the business continuity. And... um, and so it was just, it happened to be that, oh, well, if we have somebody hacking into the system, that's just another scenario. Right. And so I just started learning that and, you know, it was like, okay, well, you know what? I see a direction here. Yeah. And so I just kind of started along, you know, that line. See, this is, this is a lot like, I mean, it's different that I've never heard a story quite like this, right? But it's the same idea, which is you go do something that you're good at. And you find a way to turn that in, into the career you're, you're going to eventually go to. Or maybe you weren't planning security at any point. Not even but remotely. Yes. But that's how you you got there, not by saying, hey, I'm going to stop and go become a security person. It's, I, I have these skills, and here is something I can do with it. And you change your job a little bit at a time until it all of a sudden adopts into this new fantastic opportunity in security. Absolutely. So you said you, you left Janice and went to Invesco? Yep. And did BCDR for them yep. as well? And, and same thing, did you leave Invesco and go some, somewhere um, else? Actually, was I was getting ready to be, um, boy, I think I was, they were downsizing and um, their parent company was kind of, you know, moving things around. And so I actually put together a proposal and said, you know what, you know, the company uh, was Invescap. And I put a, a proposal together, got in front of the right people and said, you need to hire me. And um, this is why, you know, I can do this for all of your entities hmm. at Invescap and not just Invesco. And so, and, you know, they picked me up and said, sounds good. And so I spent a little bit more time with them before they wanted me to move to Atlanta. And I said, no, don't think so. No. I'm staying in Colorado. Yeah. And um, so I moved on from there. Where'd you go next? I went to a company called Policy Studies. Oh, so, yeah, that's another place where uh, Joe was, Joe right? Was yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, so I went to, to policy studies, or PSI is what we called it. It's now um, Maximus is mm-hmm. the company that took over PSI. Oh, I didn't know that that was related to Maximus. Okay, yeah. now, they're out in headquarters in New Jersey or something, right? Somewhere on the East Coast. Yeah, it's all yeah. capital, Maximus. It's not, it's, not right. a, it's not capital M. The whole word is capitalized. Yep, yep, yep. that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, so, so I got hired by them to do, um, started out BCDR and... And I could just see, you know, hey, we need, you know, some security and um, started doing some other things along the way. Um, we brought in um, Marlene VM mm-hmm. and uh, she's, she was 
way ahead of her time. And the company wasn't quite ready for everything that, I mean, she, she was a visionary. She knew exactly what we needed to do from a security aspect and they weren't ready for it. And so, um, so I was able to kind of, you know, move through that. And, um, Dan Collender was there as well as Dr. Joe and Keith Rella. And, um, so we, you know, um, I, they've, they moved on, you know, they were again, better than what we needed at that time really <laughs> yeah they, you know you have to all you have to look at and see what the business is ready for yeah and you kind of have to move along with the business yeah. because if you're you know you're just going to beat your head against the wall if you know the business is you're trying to do something and you don't have the support and things yeah. like that so I stayed built that program and um got into, you know, I just tried to look and say, okay, we need to do some IT audit and went and got my CISA and, you know, looked at, we need to do some privacy and got my CIPP and, Mm -hmm. you know, my SISM and, you know, added on as, as I needed. So, so you have a, you have a alphabet after your name now? I do. I, I absolutely do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I, I like it. Um, so how long were you there with the policy studies? Six years, almost six years. Okay, and that gets Something us like into that. like the mid 2000s, 2000? 2000, 2000, uh, something. I, you know what? I, <laughs> 2005? I actually, you know what? I need my resume to, you know, yeah, I don't, you, you, you know what? Those are, I don't even have to think, remember those, right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of purged in my brain. As long as I've got it written down on a resume, I'm good. So what was next? So um, I went from there to, um, I loved that job actually, it was really great, except uh, I was really burnt out because we were doing so many things. I was doing physical security with them as well, Um, and PSI uh, was a really interesting company. It was outsourcing to state and local government. They did child support enforcement and workforce and uh, subsidized children's health insurance, Mm -hmm. and um, so... I loved it. I mean, we we had offices around across the U.S. and um, doing physical security. We had a hurricane in Florida. I was able to, you know, we like totally. I ran the um, renovation of that, ripping ripping it guts or gutting the inside and you know redoing it. Yeah. It was. You know, so that was a really cool job. So, so. by the way, I looked you up on LinkedIn. And, and <laughs> You've got my resume on it now. <laughs> 2005 to 2011 year okay, with great. PSI. <laughs> uh, and, and now and now I'm not going to ruin the suspense, but where did oh you go gosh. next? Guess what I did? <laughs> I just walked down the street and got another job. For, um, I went to Interwest. Yeah. And so uh, Interwest. Interwest uh, they have like the least intuitive name for what they do. I know, right? Uh, for those who don't know Interwest, could you give a quick highlight? Sure. Um, ski and resort company. Yeah. Um, Competitor to Vail Resorts, I assume? Yes, yes. They've, they're they kind of in transition now with some some other things I don't know all the details with. But at the time that I started with them, they actually were headquartered in Vancouver, hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, the CEO said, you know what, let's, you know, they, they just got done doing a um, Whistler kind of um, spun off on their own. And the biggest holdings that they had in the U.S. was they ran Winter Park and they owned Steamboat. Okay. And so they moved headquarters here to to Lodo. And except what they did was they outsourced their entire IT department. Really? So they basically rebadged. You know, another company came in and rebadged the whole IT department but stayed in Vancouver. Hmm. And so they hired five of us. CIO and four others, one, I was one of them, to run the IT department. Hmm. And so I came in as the, the security person, and I said, okay, so where are the security people? <laughs> and it's like, there weren't any. And, yeah. you know, it was like, well, you know, we have an outsourced, you know, uh, contract yeah. with this company in, in Vancouver. Yes. And so you're going to fi- have to figure that one out. So how how did that? I, I'd love to hear your take on having you know outsource versus internal. Yeah. Um, do you, did you have dedicated security staff in the outsource, or is it just IT people that you were telling them how to do their job in a secure fashion? How, how's that work? It was a little odd, and um, it was it ended up being a negotiation that. Um, there was a misunderstanding as to whether or not there was going to be a security person or not. So I actually had to negotiate to get a headcount with the um, with the outsourcer or the the vendor, and um, and get someone that could actually assist. 
And at the same time, I started looking for, you know, somebody else to, to help out. Yeah. Ended up being able to have the vendor um, pick up one of my previous security guys, um, Joe Lowe. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Joe was able to come on his contract. And I'd already been working with him at PSI. So it was like, Joe, I need you to help on. And so um, in the, the three years that I was there, we, we basically... Um, with the other, my with my peers in IT um, management, we actually tried to level it out to make that right balance of what's outsourced and what's insourced because we needed to have some specialized um, skills to actually be part of, you know, the the company. Yeah. And then, you know, those commodity kinds of skills, you know, were outsourced. And so we, we went from completely being outsourced to being a little bit of a balance. You know, yeah. we actually were kind of like 10%, 90% and ended up being about 30, 70, 40, 60. I think security is an interesting thing as I would generally, my first answer Insource or outsource for security would be oh definitely insource, but it's not it's not that easy right like we probably don't all insource our penetration testing. You, right. Most companies yep. will hire a third party penetration tester. Maybe you don't insource security operations. Maybe you have a you know a, a MSSP you work with. Um, you, you know, there's all kinds of different point things that we will outsource. Um, but I, I think fundamentally. You can't outsource the caring about it, right? And and as the CISO, of course, we're the the throat to choke in terms of the one who has to care the most. But we can't care equally about everything, and that's why you need people inside who care about it for this area and for this area, and and uh, and and really, there has to there has to be that hybrid because it, otherwise it's all just basically sitting on the the CISO's attention. Did which one did you remember to think about? You know, this this week, this day, yeah, this hour. Yeah, you just you know again you have to look back at the business and see what they're willing to provide yeah. to support that that security program and sometimes you have to have a bench somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I I've been on the record in the past of saying you know I yeah quite the question being is you know is an MSSP ever a good thing and I say well you know communism's a good thing in theory <laughs> just you know okay. in, pra- in practice it doesn't work either <laughs> and that comparison there yeah I, I, I don't I, well I have I've never seen an MSSP that that I think works well right yeah in, in, in theory it's a really good idea because they can scale better they're better at it than I can get than I can hire internally um, they should be able to deal with the talent shortages more easily by training people up because they're at a bigger scale but then the reality is there's just not this alignment with the business and you lose visibility, communication, you lose them caring. It's just so hard to manage the MSSP. I'd actually love to get, if anyone's listening and has had a really good experience with an MSSP, I'd love to hear the story, like what worked well. Um, I have I have outsourced uh, management of our EDR to actually, I'll even say it, the local company here in town, Red Canary, um, who, who I think does a great job with it. But the reason I don't bu- bundle them is because they, they do one really narrow thing. They'll only do this. They'll only watch our EDR deployment, um, and they can do that well. And as soon as they start adding five other features, I, I bet the whole thing falls apart. And, and I've told them that. At least just don't add anything else because even when I ask you to add more because you do a good job, you should say, you should tell me no because we're going to keep doing a good job for you instead. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, no, a I ramble. Mean, you know, talking about like my current position, and again, you know, one of my objectives was building a secure, aware environment. Yeah, you can't do that when you're outsourcing. Mm. You know, some of the, you have to have people that you know um, are memorable, right? Mm. That you know, when someone from a department looks at at me, I want them to think security. Yeah, and um, so that, and again, you can't do that when you're outsourcing everything. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, and jump. So you, you made the move over three years ago from IntraWest yeah, yeah. over to ProLogic. What what was the motivation? You know, obviously career progression, all that's great. But you know, was it was new challenge? Anything you want to share about that? That's a really loaded question, actually. Mm. And you had no, you didn't know anything about well, no, it, did you? I didn't know. Yeah. Um, there was actually a very specific reason why I left. Mm. Um, the uh, the CIO had. Um, the CIO that, that hired me, uh, Mickey Nelson, was fantastic. Uh, she ended up leaving the organization, and they brought somebody else in. And, uh, you know, I, throughout my whole career, and it's been a, you know, lengthy career, 
Um, I've always been had people. Yeah, I've been re- I've received a lot of respect hmm. for the things that I've done, and I've never had any issues. Unfortunately, the person that they brought in, um, you know, to be quite honest, I don't think liked women, and so. Um, really, I had no got no respect mm. basically, and I had a very uh, a very difficult time. And I kept on thinking, oh no, this is going to be you know I'll win him over or I'll you know oh he'll see what I can do. And I was doing you know bringing the company to PCI compliance, and you know I'm like okay when I hit that you know this is everything's going to be great. And uh, you know what? It's still it still didn't happen. Never happen. got there, huh? And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just me. I mean, it was you know a number of, of individuals. And, and I thought, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I've, I've got to, you know, for my own sanity and my self worth, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And so, um, so I, you know, I wanted to go to a very successful company, an international company. Um, and I like building things. I like building security programs from scratch. And I had that opportunity to do that at Prologis and so um, you know I've had a great experience there and immediately you know I I look back now and go I should have left a long time you Mm -hmm. know before that but and that's why I always you know I'm um you know, whenever the women in security from ISSA, you know, they're like, hey, can you help out? Absolutely, because, yeah. you know, that I've had that experience and, you know, don't want to have that again and don't want anyone else to have that. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into women in security, but I want to finish just a little bit more about your your career pathing. Um, Prologis, you came in there, looks like three years, three months ago, if LinkedIn is, yeah. any, is any guide for me. <laughs> um, and... Uh, you walked into a place without a security program, and you yep. told me the, the big, you want to build a security program and you wanted to build a security culture. Um, what was step one? What, what do you do? And I th- I'm just thinking for people who are making the change, maybe mm-hmm. they're getting their first uh, security leader position uh, or they're the only security person at a company. What, what's the first step you do in a new company? You need to listen. Mm-hmm. You need to go out and you need to meet the people in the organization. And you need to talk to them, and you need to listen. You ask questions and listen, and don't come in trying to, you know, I'm making, you know, I'm going to make my mark, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to put this in place. You need to figure out what's in place already, and what are the pain points. And um, I always look, too, at, you know, what compliance, you know, needs are there. That always is helpful because, you know, it's kind of your big stick if you need it. Um, and then, then you can go from there. You can say, well, I noticed that you've got this piece of compliance and, you know, you're, are you having an issue with this? And you, you really do need to sit down and just listen before you make any changes at all. Yeah. And then, you know, and that also helps to, you know, um, build your relationship with those individuals too. Yeah. Um, then you have to, you know, I always look at right now, I mean, the perimeter is... <laughs> Is there a perimeter? Yeah, the, per- the perimeter as, as a moat around the organization no longer exists. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So four years ago, so a year before I started, um, the company actually had a cloud-first you know, vision. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, everything we're doing is cloud-first, cloud-first. And so I had to come into the organization and look differently and go, okay, this is not going to, you know, my, the things I did in the past, you know, with everything on-prem, that's not going to work in this organization. Yeah. So I had to look at things differently. And again, I had to, not just the business, I had to look and talk to people within IT and go, okay, wh- what are you doing? And tell me about this and tell me about that. And why are you doing it this way? And why are you doing it that way? So I could have a better base so that when I made a decision, I had it, you know, it was a good decision that I made. Um, so, and security doesn't, you know, sometimes we fall a little behind you know when the IT department is moving ahead we need to be right there and lock lock and step is that right lock step lock step step. Um, and making sure that we're securing whatever they're doing at the time that they're doing it so you know I you know jump ahead to you know what was it Four years ago, cloud first. Three years ago, I started. Two years ago, we um, closed our, our, you know, last data center. Yeah. Everything, everything's in the cloud. Yeah. And so everything that I've had to do, I had to look differently and think differently about how I'm doing it. And I couldn't use the, the products and, and services that I used to, to use. So I did everything all new. So I, I've, I suspect that many people listening will be very interested in how you're doing that. I, I think you and I have talked about it. I also have gone down a similar path. As to whatever detail you're, you're willing to share, 
whether it's you know just a philosophical secure security uh, defense in depth, or if you want to actually go into products, I'd love to hear how do you do security in a perimeterless, you know, cloud-first yep. environment. Um, so I guess my philosophy is that. It, again, it kind of goes back to um, like your compliance and all of that. Yeah. I look at the data first. Sure. So because you don't have a perimeter, because you used to be that you would look at your perimeter and you yeah. go, okay, I got my firewalls in place. Yeah. So like you know, I'm going outside in. Yeah. I actually look at it inside out. Yeah. Because I need to look and see, are do you have specific compliance requirements? And if you are, or if there's you know compliance or privacy, and um, and then look at that first and look at the data and where the data is mm-hmm. because you can't do everything all at once. You've got to focus on something. So we actually look at data first. Where is it? How am I going to secure that? And, um, you know, our, our um, viewpoint is that you should be able to get to any of our applications, any of our data on any device anywhere. So Any device, any device to get to any data? Any device, anywhere, you've got to make sure that you are protecting the data. So if you can do that, then, you know, you know, I'm not saying that you're not going to put, you know, some basic things on. But, but Susie's that's my, not, the look on my face where I go nervous. <laughs> He's like, what? I don't believe you. I've, and I've had that. Actually, it was funny because I was talking to Tyler Warren, my, my uh, senior security architect today, and and um, having this conversation with, I remember going to like a couple of CISO dinners. And, you know, when I first started at Prologis and was talking about, oh, I'm looking at this. And, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, sure. You know, what do you mean? It's not, you know, it's like, no, I, that you know, product doesn't work for in my environment. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, huh, sure. But truly, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And you you have to, you know, <laughs> have to search. But but really, we look at, at the data first and um, making sure that we're, we're securing it. We, we log everything, everything. So could we, I want to define cloud a little bit. So Absolutely. cloud can mean um, infrastructure as a service platform as a service. And I think we can kind of bundle those two together for the sake of conversation. On the other side is software as a service, where we don't really get our fingers into yep. into, to, into the infrastructure and the security of it. When you say cloud first, wh- which of those do you mean mostly? I mean, all of them. We have all of it. So your security posture has to your security plan, defense in depth strategy has to be quite different for an infrastructure as a security offering where, you know, the someone like AWS gives you an EC2 instance and, you know, you're just, okay, they wash their hands of it. Here you go, do whatever you want yeah. versus Salesforce where you have a few, you know, levers and knobs that you can, you can adjust to get your security the way you want it. But, you know, you, you really don't have all that much flexibility with it, right? You're correct. Yeah. So the, focusing on the infrastructure as a service part, um, what what are the what are the kinds of you mentioned you're going after data, but assuming that there's sensitive data on this particular you know, VPC or, or or system we're talking about, what do you do to secure that in, in a in a you know cloud friendly way? Um, that's a great question, and you know what? Actually, Tyler's the guy to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> so I always have a belief that I hire smarter people than me. Okay, and um. So, but to, to try to, you know, I'm not the technical person. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into yeah, the details. Way, yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, you know, you have to look at, you know, um, we love, because we're, we're kind of on the edge, mm-hmm. we love to also work with um, our service providers and our product providers and be the beta testers mm. so that we can, you know, if there's a, you know, um, brand new you know, cloud firewall, guess yeah. what? We're going to be on it. You know, if there's, you know, any, anything new like that, we're like going, we want to be first and we want to test it because we need it and there's nothing there mm. for us right now. Very cool. AWS is coming up with everything, by the way. Yep. It seems like every week there's a new, I don't know if you guys are AWS shop, you don't need to say it, but <laughs> if, if that was one yeah. of your vendors, like if, they're going to have a solution for you next week if they don't this week, right? Well, they're gonna, they, most likely, what is reinvent. it, they're yeah. Las Vegas, yeah. you know. Reinvent is yeah. the they're week after be. Thanksgiving, I think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They're going to be, yeah. I'm sure, you know, um, probably presenting, a, a, you know, yeah. promoting a few new things. There's a, a couple new things that are coming out there. Uh, one of the interesting ones is around... Uh, 
application level uh, denial of service stuff. Anyway, um, priorities for you uh, next year, 2018. What are you What are you going to go after? Um, DevOps uh-huh. security. So um, we're at the point where. You know, again, starting from scratch, we've yeah. done everything in the last three years, and so this is one of the areas that we really need to do a lot more. Um, Are you guys a CI/CD shop? Continuous integration, continuous deployment, basically, you know, making little changes that go out to production immediately. Or you guys, or you guys bundle them up so, and have traditional releases every no, couple of weeks. So okay, so it's a little different again, yeah. okay, because we don't have the traditional. Um, we don't have a traditional development shop that mm-hmm. as well. So we have a platform that we develop on. Yeah. And so it's it's a cloud platform yeah. that's we develop on. Right. And um, our developers, we have very few that are on staff. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot that are, well, a lot that are outsourced yeah. all over. And so, um, so one of the challenges is how do you get, you know, those individuals trained to do what we want yeah to develop in a secure you know manner yeah and um you know you go back to contract management and vendor management and making sure that it's in the contract that they have to go through specific training before they can actually you know work on our, right. our products so security so. in your devops uh, process uh <laughs> and uh what, what else what's 2018 anything else you want to talk about um, that's really the, that's the, kind of the big, big that's thing. the biggest one. The other one is, um, GDPR oh, where, yeah. you know, yeah. we're in, you know, a number of countries in Europe and, uh, we are, um, we are, are sitting back a little bit, allowing our legal, uh, counsel in Europe to do the analysis and let us know what they want to do. Yeah. And then we'll be coming in. We've, uh, we've been working, um, with them pretty closely. I have a, um, governance risk and man, uh, GRC um, manager that was um, Cynthia Summers that was just over in Europe last mm-hmm. week and uh, working with all of them and so they're like hey come on over and help us out because you know they're trying to figure it out as well I'm, I'm as soon as we stop recording I'll talk to you about this in more detail okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now I, I really want to hear community involvement you know you mentioned women in security I think that's one of the the neat things that we've been that we've been able to see come out here in Denver in the really this year it's only six or eight months in not even eight months in and it's already you know it's such a huge success here can you just talk about any exposure you've had to that group and and any, any thoughts you have there uh the women in security yeah. um you know uh, I've been to all the meetings uh yeah. <laughs> so um you know Sarah Avery if she needs something last minute you know yeah. hey I need a speaker or, yeah. or, or a you know panelist or whatever right. you know I'm happy to help whenever I can yeah. um, just because I think that it's a great a great group um, I was at a user conference um, a few weeks ago and we, I was I was looking around the room I was at um, a couple of different sessions one that was an executive session and the other that was like an analyst and an administrator section and um, and I counted how many women besides the the actual product yeah. and um, company and in the executive I was the only one hmm. and in the the other two there were like two or three and yeah. that was it and it's like okay there's something you know there's yeah. out of balance here and and so um, I always think, you know, I go to the, the women in security and the first meeting, it was like 130 people, right? Amazing, yeah. And I kept thinking, where were you when I was just at that user conference? Right. You know, so, you know, I want to get people, you know, women. It's probably out. a little bit self-perpetuating, right? That Let's say there's 15% of people in security are women. It might be 11%, whatever it is. That, call, it, call it 15% for the sake of the conversation. If they go to an event and there's 15% there, maybe they think this isn't this isn't for me. And next time, 10% of women right. show up. Not and the next time, it's five percent. Right. And, and that might be part of what we're seeing is it looks even lower than it is because they don't feel welcome. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but it's a hypothesis, right? Yep, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. So ISSA also has um, a mentor program. Mm-hmm. And so um, when was that started? Uh, Almost two years ago. Okay, so um, so I have a a mentee, yeah, um, Beck Larson, and so that's great. Beck's a coal fire. Yeah, and so we've you know we've 
you know, I don't know if the, the mentor program was only for like a year, but we've like continued. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> so, you know, and it was funny because, you know, a lot of, um, as we were talking and, you know, meeting and everything and talking about things, it wasn't about security things. It was just about, you know, you know, basic, you know, Hey, how do I, I've got this problem. I've got a, you know, I've got an employee that, you know, I need some help yeah. on or whatever it might right. be. And, um, so it was just, it wasn't just security. It was just mentorship, yeah. right? Just getting to know another person and, and helping them out with where they're going. So I'll put it in a couple of plugs here. Number one, <laughs> if you if you are interested in being um, a mentor, you know, go to the ISS, Denver ISSA website and sign up to do it. There's there's a form out there. And same if you want to be if you want to be mentored, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say don't be afraid to reach out to the people who you want to have mentor you. It's 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 very infrequent that someone not only asks but then follows up. I personally get requests maybe once a month from someone who wants to be mentored, and I always say, yes, I'm happy to help you. Here's what I'd like you to do. Kind of write up what you want to accomplish from this. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make a commitment, and then they always go away. <laughs> because they, they, they were hoping that they, by asking me, they, I would magically, you know. Give them everything. Give them everything, yeah. right? So, you know, ask the person you want to talk to and come prepared to do some work like that the relationship's meant to be driven by the mentee not the mentor yeah and I think that I mean the mentor gets a lot out of it as well so it's not just the mentee I mean I it's funny because as Beck and I would talk and she would ask me a question I would have to think back and and I would pull you know a learning that I had from many years ago and go, oh man I should be doing that now you know just that remembering of you know yeah, that's that's really good advice. I should use it myself, and yeah. you know that kind of thing. So you get a lot, a lot out of it. So I, this is strange. I worked for a mentoring company. <laughs> you, you, might, you all listening probably didn't know that there was such thing as a mentoring company. But the largest, most successful mentoring company in the world is headquartered in the, the Denver Tech Center. It's a very small company because it's not a very big industry. But uh, it's called when I worked there. It was called Triple Creek Associates. Now it's called the River, um, and and we did research. When I, when I was there, that showed what percentage of mentees ended up getting a promotion within. I think it was 24 months of really? of the relation of the uh, of the uh, of the relationship, um, and then compared to the baseline, and it was a significant improvement versus the baseline. But then they showed they showed the percentage of mentors that got a promotion versus the baseline, and the mentors actually got a be- bigger increase of promotions than the mentees did. They got, so by that one measure, they got more out of it, right? Mm. Which not, not intuitive, but, but to your point, I think you really do get a lot by giving back and getting those relationships and kind of having to be on your game. Uh, Similarly, I know I've had employees at some points in my career who, uh, and some weren't always easy to work with. And as soon as they became managers, they, they, their whole perspective changes and they're like now I'm part of the team to help my employees be successful and they become better employees at the same time I, I just think it it puts on that better hat right to how you think about mm-hmm. things really cool um, alright so Denver community stuff obviously you know you and your, your husband is also in security Dan he is yep. um, and Dan, where's Dan working now I know he he works for online business systems yeah he's a security consultant yeah and they're uh, they're a financial services off uh, provider right no 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 online help, they help do work. you know like he does PCI audits okay and, audits yeah. security, security consultant stuff yep okay yep um, so you guys have been in the community for a while here. Any feedback on what we do well, what we need to do better? Yes. <laughs> is this a plug for Rob and Alex? Because no, it is. No, 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 no. Really. <laughs> no. I, I, and like I said, I said this before we started, but um, I really, because um, I have been in the community for a while now, and you know everything that you guys have done, especially with you know Colorado Equals Security, is so great. I mean. You know, everyone that I know, you know, we faithfully, you know, get the emails on Sunday and we're like, oh, here's a new one. And, you know, listen to the podcasts and um, and the, the events. You know, I know that if I'm looking for a date or something, you guys have it. <laughs> and so um, I really think that you have done a really tremendous um 
you know, benefit to the to the the community, the security community in Denver. We are so so strong, and we feel we are part of a community. Yeah. It's not like we're just security people, and we go to oh yeah, we go to a ISACA meeting or an ISSA meeting or a OWASP meeting or whatever it is. We're really we're a community. Yeah. It's so easy, this it? really helps. So I really thank both of you guys for, for doing this. Well, it's been it's been a ton of fun. In terms of how how we in the community can get better, any thoughts on where there's opportunities for us to improve? Obviously, you know, the Women in Security Initiative was badly needed, and I'm yeah. so glad it's being tackled. Is there other stuff we need to be thinking about? You know, I think, you know, again, getting into the schools, mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. Um, I know that you were just on, uh, was it Nine News? And, um, you know, again... Getting outside of the security you know, community. You, right? you made a comment on, you know, a previous podcast about... Um, you know, talking, you know, you can talk to security people and everything, but it's, you know, you're preaching to the choir, right? You need to get out to those other, you know, the people that are out there that aren't in yeah. the security community to, you know, share that information. Yeah. And uh, because it hits home, you know, every time you turn around, you see something in the news about security, cybersecurity. I mean, I it used to be that I had to explain what I did. Now all I have to do is go, yeah, cybersecurity. It's funny. You know? <laughs> it's the exact same thing. So for most of my career, what do you do? I'm an IT guy. What, yeah. what kind of IT guy? Well, I try and stop the hackers. That's that's how I yeah. how I had to do it for years, and now they know what it is. It's, right. it's kind it's of easy. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Same as my wife. My wife's a physician assistant, and I used to have to say, well, it's kind of like halfway between a nurse and a doctor, <laughs> and now everyone knows what a PA yeah. is, and they yeah. usually like their PAs better than their doctors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. So one of the great examples we've had recently was we got to get involved with Denver Startup Week, where you're getting outside the security mm-hmm. community. CTA with get yeah. doing their CISO of the Year award this year was another really cool thing. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, the more places we can get involved, there's like the Better Business Bureau does events. I don't know of anyone who goes to those. You know, anyone listening who's looking for something high value to do, any of those would be a really cool place to tackle. And let us know what you're doing. We'll promote it and we'll see if we can get some I was going to say, you know, maybe that's something also that you can do on Colorado Equals Security about volunteer opportunities. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. You know? We'll take it. Take a note. Yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, I'll ask you a couple more questions. For those who are looking to get into security, maybe who, who want you to hire them as a security analyst or... Uh, any other kind of entry levelish position? What are the skills that they most should go after trying to get? Um, what are you looking to hire for? Is it skills? Maybe I'm asking the question the, wrong. You way. know, it's a great question. I, well, I just I just hired somebody. Yeah. And so um, Dana Sanchez um, from Davida. <laughs> how good is Dana? And should I should She's, I steal this? Person? No, you cannot steal her. <laughs> no, you cannot. But you know what? It was funny because I knew I wanted to hire her. At the Women in Security. She was there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the the one where they had the high school... Um, mm-hmm. September, uh, August or September. Yeah. Patriot, uh, what's it Cyber called? Cyber Patriots. Cyber Patriots. Yeah. And so they were giving, you know, um, presentations and everything, and it was really loud. And so she was sitting next to one of the presenters, and he was talking, and he couldn't be heard. And she just, like, jumped in, and it was like, okay, what he just said was, <laughs> and repeated, and it was like... I want you because you know what you're not afraid to jump in. Yeah. And and what I always look for again going back to you got to be memorable and you got to be able to build relationships and talk to people because again I want to build a secure aware culture. You can teach, you know the the technical skills. Mm-hmm. You can learn that right. I mean I've got tons of letters behind my name because I I learned that right. But you can't necessarily. It's not easy to actually stand up in front of all these you know people and go hey what he just said was and and do that those are those those skills that I always look for more if you want to call them I don't know you know there's lots of names but soft skills or anything like that mm-hmm. I want people that can do both that can do the technical skills and also be willing to just get out there and say you know what this is you know security is really important and this is why yeah. rather than having somebody just head down you know we need those people as well but um you know when i'm when you want to get into cybersecurity, and i really think that if you want to become a CISO, you need to have some of those skills because mm-hmm. you're going to have to be reporting to executive management and the board yeah and if you you know you need to be able to talk to them and you only have like two minutes right. to be able to tell it everything that you've done. And so you need to be able to do those kinds of things. So, you know, that's what I look for. I'm not necessarily stuck on 
I mean, I love looking and seeing the certs. I mean, I've got the certs, right? So I, I recognize the those certs, but I also want to see um, what you've done. Yeah. And, um, you know, so any kind of experience that you can get is great. Yeah. And so I look at, you know, well, you know, well-rounded people. Yeah, that's great. I, I especially resonate with what you're saying about someone who shows some initiative, right? Someone who's willing yep. to go solve a problem, following up with a... Uh, Come, coming to the interview prepared and show that you're prepared and you've mm-hmm. done some research and maybe you didn't just walk in with a slightly edited re- version of your resume. You actually have thought a little bit. And then, you know, coming up with creative solutions to problems you hear. You don't have to be the most technical person if you show that you're willing to go right. come we'll up with it. creative yep. solutions and work hard. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, attitude and aptitude is way more important than uh, have you ever worked with this version of this exactly. security tool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been great. Any final stuff you want to share with the security world? You know, one thing that we didn't really talk about, but yeah. I really think is important in um, when you're uh, when you're a security person, and that is, um, you know, we we use lots of different vendors, mm-hmm. right? Everything is we outsource a lot for yeah. a variety of different things, and um, you know, make friends with your vendor management people, your mm-hmm. procurement people, because you absolutely want to get some language, some security language into those contracts. Yeah. That's going to help you in the long run. And so you definitely want to make sure that, you know, you can scan, you know, you put right. that in the language of the contract. If it's a, you know, um, a SaaS provider. No, or no like scanning your SaaS providers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not scalable. Don't put scanning your SaaS providers in the email. Yes. In the contract. But, but, the, but bottom line, though, is, you know, this is one of the ways that you can protect yourself. So make friends with, you know, your vendor management people and, you know, open up to them. Have some, you know, yeah. visibility about what you do because they probably don't necessarily yeah. understand what you do. And so tell them and tell them why it's really important yeah. Um, you know, that you have good good language in your contract. Yeah, you, you actually reminded me of a question I didn't get to ask you earlier when you mentioned coming into the new company and listening and, and meeting yep. with folks. I wanted to ask you who it was. It sounds like one of the folks you'd want to talk to is vendor management. Yeah. Who, who else is a, a key, Luckily, key person to Luckily, I have vendor management to? report to me, so. Okay. <laughs> but um, I would say that um, your, your operations people, mm-hmm. so especially if you are, um, if you have offices... You know, you're not just one office. If you have offices, regional or international, whatever it might be, find out what's going on in each one of those offices because most likely you don't have, if you're a smaller company, you don't have a security person in each of those offices. So um, you want to know what's going on there and you want to make friends with them so that you can have a quasi-security person. You've got somebody, you know, that you can reach out to to help, you know, if need be. Um, if you have a situation or anything like yeah. that. So those are really important. Legal people, man, get general them on counsel, your yeah. general so counsel. Get the, yeah, all the way down to... If you didn't say that, I was going to... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to have man, legal. Man, those, you know, uh, your general counsel and your head of, you know, um, people, HR, yep. whatever you want to yep. call it. Um, so those are, are key people that you absolutely have to have on your side. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sue, thanks so much for your time. I, we almost got to an hour. It's time is just, it's flown. <laughs> time has flown. It's good. We'll, we'll look forward to talking to you. Maybe we can get together again next year and, and see how things Great. are going. All right. Thank you for so your time. much. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.